recently we've studied the prepositions in and out. Today we want to look at another of these special words and that is the preposition on. We not only want to look at the preposition on, we want to look at it in a very specific way. If you look at the Bible, you find that there are about 50 passages that refer to on the Sabbath. We also find as we look at the Bible, passages which refer to on the first day of the week. This morning we want to look at some of the verses that use this terminology and then make some general observations during the course of our study. And we want to begin with what I mentioned just a moment ago, that is, on the Sabbath. Study starts in Exodus chapter 31, verse 15. There God said to the Hebrew people that they were not to do any work on the Sabbath day. In fact, God said if people did some work on the Sabbath day, they were to be punished. Exodus 31:15 says that this punishment was to be death. Faithful Hebrews understood the law, and for at least a period of time, they kept it for the most part. On the Sabbath day was a very important expression for God's people. As we move forward in biblical history, we come to the time of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 31, we are told that there were some heathen people, some non-Hebrews, that wanted to come and allow the Hebrews to uh, do some trading. The uh, heathens were bringing some grain or produce and encouraging the Hebrews to buy this produce, the grain, on the Sabbath day. God's people said, on the Sabbath day, we're not going to buy your grain. On the Sabbath day, we're not going to buy your produce because this is a day of rest. Moving forward a little bit later, we come to the time of Jeremiah. And we're going to be reading in just a moment from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 24 and 25. In Jeremiah's time, the Sabbath was also an important topic. Jeremiah reminded the people, Jeremiah 17, verse 21, that on the Sabbath day, there was not to be any bearing of a burden. Jeremiah 17, verse 22, God said, This day is a holy day, and you do not work on this particular day. Avoid all work. Earlier generations, God said, had not always properly observed the Sabbath day. Jeremiah 17, verse 23. And God said to the people in Jeremiah's day through this prophet, If you obey the Sabbath day commandment, Jeremiah 27, or 17, verse 24, the middle of the verse in verse 25, he said, You're going to be blessed. Saith Jehovah to bring in no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day. But God said you need to hollow the Sabbath day to do no work therein. Then if you do this, observe the Sabbath, there shall enter in by the gates in this city kings and princes sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their princes, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. God said you obey this law, and by implication other things were included. But here, the main emphasis is the Sabbath day. God said you do this, and you're going to prosper for a long, long time. You know, as we go through life, there are certain days that seem to stand out. Some days seem to be especially important. For some, that special day is an anniversary. It may be a birthday. Others look forward to what they call the weekend. Some look forward to a special holiday, maybe the 4th of July. Uh, the Sabbath day was the special day for the Hebrew people. The Sabbath day was the seventh day. Now we know that in a week there are seven days in the week. The seventh day, that last day, uh, is the day that we now call Saturday. For the Jews, that was the Sabbath. For the United States, the seventh day of the week is usually a day off from secular employment. There are exceptions, but generally that's the way that things work. People often relax on that day or maybe they try to do some work at their house. But if we were a Jew, had we lived under that Old Testament system, this seventh day, Saturday, 
Yesterday, uh, if you will, would have been a day to rest. On Jesus' day, moving past Jeremiah and Nehemiah and Exodus, we find that people were saying and thinking a lot about the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 10, we find people asking whether or not it was okay to heal on the Sabbath day. Jesus was doing this. And people said, well, hmm, there's an Old Testament law that forbids work and his healing on the Sabbath day. Is that work or is that not? Well, Jesus answered that question by doing many miracles on the Sabbath day. In Mark chapter 3, verse 2, we find an example of where people were watching Jesus to see if he would heal someone on the Sabbath day. Jesus not only healed on the Sabbath day and did that apparently fairly frequently, he also used the seventh day, the Sabbath day, to teach people. We see that in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. A little later, John 5, verse 16 says that Jesus was even persecuted because he did things on the Sabbath day. So as we look at all these references, there is a basic pattern from the Old Testament to the Gospels. And that pattern is this. The Jewish people were bound, they were divinely obligated to rest on the Sabbath day. Now Jesus did teach and heal on the seventh day of the week, but he did not work in the sense that the law defined that word. Now when we take all that information and then we move forward even further to the book of Acts, we begin to find something very, very unusual. People were leaving the Jewish faith. They were saying, all right, we had been a child of Moses and of the Old Testament law. Jesus has come. The New Testament has been instituted. People were becoming Christians. And as they became Christians, they were no longer keeping, they were no longer following that Sabbath day. Instead of following the Sabbath day, which had been uh, part of the Jewish faith for thousands of years, instead of continuing to do that, we find that Christians were using the Sabbath day just as Jesus had used this day. Christians used the seventh day of the week not to uh, worship, but they used that day to teach and instruct. Like Jesus, they went into the synagogues on the Sabbath day and taught. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. They didn't go into the synagogues to worship, but they went there to offer instruction. That point is made again in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On this occasion, it was the Sabbath. When some preachers found people gathered at a place of prayer and the preachers, the teachers, took this opportunity to teach the women that had assembled together. So the Sabbath day and on the Sabbath day, very, very important in the Jewish faith. Now, if you take almost any Bible and you flip to about the middle of it, you're probably going to find something that says the New Testament and the Old Testament or some other indication that the Bible is being divided somehow into two major sections or parts. And that is exactly right. That first section, the Old Testament, was a system designed for the Jewish, for the Hebrew people. And the Old Testament system has a lot of laws, hundreds of laws, uh, one of which was the Sabbath day. When we turn to that new section, though, the second half, the latter half of the Bible, we find additional information. But in that additional information, there is no instruction to avoid working on the Sabbath day. And that huge shift in attention, that huge shift in emphasis, we might say, causes us to ask some questions. One of which would be this. Is the Sabbath day in the New Testament still an obligation that we must follow? Or this question, does God still have a special day for his people today? If God does have a special day for his people under the New Testament system, is this the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week? Or has God said keep the Sabbath and some other day or multiple days? Or has God said this Sabbath day was for the Jews, but now under this New Testament system, there is a different day? Well, the preposition on, this small word, helps us answer these and other questions. Four times in the New Testament, we find 
on the first day of the week. Now, we're only going to look at two of these four places, and we're going to do this right now. Uh, if you want to find these two places, you need to turn over to the book of Mark. Mark has 16 chapters, and we're going to be reading not only from Mark chapter 16, verse 2, but also Mark chapter 16, verse 9. We're going to be reading uh, these passages, not back to back, but we will have a short um, span of uh, space between them. Mark 16, 2 says, and very early on the first day of the week, they come to the tomb when the sun was risen. Now, if you back up a little bit, verse 1, the Bible says that there were some ladies. And these ladies had come to the tomb where Jesus had been laid, and they wanted to anoint the Lord's bodies, uh, the Lord's body. They had um, arrived with spices, and Mark says that they came early. We don't know exactly how early it was, but we do know that they came on the first day of the week. Early, we said that in a week there are seven days. That seventh day is the, was the Sabbath day for the Jews, Saturday. Now, if there are seven days in the week and the seventh day is Saturday, then that first day of the week is going to be Sunday. So when Mark talks about on the first day of the week, that would be another way of describing Sunday. These ladies showed up at Jesus' tomb on Sunday. All right, bearing those things in mind, let's move down a little bit to the information in verse 9. Now, when he was risen, that's important, when? He rose early, okay, that's helpful, but what day was it? He was risen early on the first day of the week. And then we begin to get some information about Jesus' appearance appearances. Jesus was raised from the dead. Not only, as we said, was he raised, he was raised early. Not only was he raised early, he was raised on the first day of the week. Now that's significant because as we said, the Jews had a long history with the Sabbath day. We read about it in Exodus and we saw it in Nehemiah and we saw it in Jeremiah and we see it being a big question in Jesus' day. Saturday was an ingrained part of Old Testament worship. But moments ago, we said that the Bible, if you open up most Bibles, there is that middle section which says, okay, here's the Old Testament and here is the New Testament. Through Jesus, God gave a brand new agreement to the world, an entirely new system of religion. And this new system of religion would either have one or more special days or it was not going to have any special days at all. Those are the only two options. Now, if this New Testament, if this new system we're going to have a new day to worship. Was Saturday somehow going to be included in it or was Saturday going to be excluded? Jesus certainly could have been raised on the Sabbath day. If God had the power to raise Jesus on Sunday, he certainly had the power to raise him on Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday or any other day of the week. Jesus was raised on Sunday. Mark specifically makes that point in Mark chapter 16 uh, verses two and nine. Why not only did God do that, but why does God specifically make that point? Well, one gets the impression, especially when you look at the Old Testament background, that God was giving people the understanding that not only do we have a new way to worship, but we have a new, we have a different day on which to worship. Saturday was the day for the Jews, that seventh day of the week. But with Christianity, it's now the first day of the week. Luke also, he's not as specific, but Luke also, chapter 24, verse 1, indicates that Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. We find the same point being indicated by John in John chapter 20, verse 1. Doesn't it seem just a little suspicious that three out of the four gospel writers all talk about the first day of the week? Well, why do that? There has to be a reason. Well, these readers did not do this, of course, before Jesus died. But after Jesus dies, as we said, three of the four accounts zero in 
on the first day of the week. Now, if this is all the information that we had, we might you know, be inclined to conclude that the first day of the week is very, very important. Maybe that's the right day for worship, but we might not be able to say with 100% certainty that this is the day. So God has given us at least two additional passages to narrow it down and say, okay, since we're on this side of the cross, since we're past the Old Testament system, Sunday, the first day of the week, is now the day on which to worship. One of those passages is Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. Luke is, in this chapter, describing some Christians. Now, if Christians were worshiping on the Sabbath day, that seventh day, he would have said, now on the Sabbath day, when we were gathered together to break bread. But he doesn't say that. He specifically says, on the first day of the week, Sunday. On the first day of the week, Sunday, Luke says, we were gathered together. Now, what was the reason, reason for this gathering? Was it a family reunion? Was it a time to get together and play some games? Was it a potluck meal? Were they having a holiday like the 4th of July? Meetings can and do have a variety of purposes. What was the intent of this particular gathering? Luke does not allow us to guess or speculate. He says Christians had come together. Notice the purpose statement. They came together to, for the reason of, breaking bread. In the Bible, break bread can have two different meanings. In some places, break bread describes a common meal. In our culture, we often use the word supper. Supper may mean a meal in our house, a common meal, table food, if you will. But we also might use the word supper to describe something religious, the Lord's Supper. Context must be used to help us understand what's being described. Well, Acts 20, verse 7 gives us enough of the context to know that worship is under consideration. Acts 27 says that Paul discoursed with them. That is, something like a sermon was being delivered. That confirms that this was a time of worship. Then we also have in the context, Acts 20, verse 11. A little later on this same day, we find that there was breaking bread taking place. Well, you've got breaking bread in verse 7 and breaking bread in uh, verse 11. The breaking bread in verse 11 is a reference to a common meal, to table food. A uh, meal was certainly eaten, but the supper, the discourse back there in Acts 20 verse 7, um, those things were related to worship. Christians came together, they had the Lord's Supper, and they also had preaching. It's demonstrated by this passage that Sunday is the new day for worship under the New Testament. God further confirmed that by raising Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament, on the first day of the week. Now, if all we had were Acts 20, verse 7, that would be enough. I had a preacher, I'd not been a Christian very long, but several years ago, I asked him about a particular matter, and he could only cite one passage. And I said, is that all you have? And he didn't take that very kindly. And I think... Looking back on that occasion, I probably would have asked my question uh, a lot differently now. But his response on that particular occasion has stuck with me throughout the years. He said, Brad, how many verses do we need? And you know, that point is exactly right. If God has said something one time, is that not enough? If once is not enough, how many times does he have to say it to make it true? Twice, is that enough? Is it three times? Is it ten times? Is it a hundred times? One time is enough. Acts 20 verse 7 is enough. But the Bible goes beyond that. We have, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Here Paul talks about on, or some translations would say upon, the first day of the week. Now we've already established that the first day of the week is a day that we can identify. It's not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, or Saturday. We know that the first day of the week is Sunday. On this day of the week, Paul said, let each one of you. Worship is an individual thing, and that's what Paul's talking about here. 
giving is the subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul said that this giving, this contribution was going to be used to help others, fellow saints, verse 3. Why lay aside funds on Sunday instead of putting aside funds on Monday? Isn't Monday as good of a day as Sunday? Why put aside funds on Sunday instead of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday? Why Sunday? The answer is that Sunday is God's designated day for worship. There was a collection for the saints, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, and that collection was on the first day of the week. You know, as you look at 1 Corinthians 16, there's not uh, any information at all about the Lord's Supper. Not there. Not any information at all about preaching. Can't find it. But if we look over in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we've got that information about teaching, and we've got the information about the um, um, Lord's Supper, but where's the information about giving? It's not there. And maybe God put things together in this way to give us one more reminder, and on virtually every point of doctrine, this is true. There is not a single passage that we can go to and say, aha, in this verse, we've got all the information on this particular subject. Sometimes it would be nice if the Bible were set up that way, but it doesn't work that way. Whether we're talking about salvation, or we're talking about worship, or we're talking about Christian living, there are a lot of passages that we have to find and look at so we get the total picture. And God has done that as well when it comes to Sunday. We have multiple passages that help us understand that this was the day that God set aside for the New Testament system it's the day to worship on. It's the day for the Lord's Supper. It's the day for preaching. It's the day for giving. All the things that we associate with worship. And when we look at all of God's word, then we can know and we can know for certain that this is the right way to go. Today, we see that Sunday is the proper day for worship. And that was key's point, part of Keith's point with the Lord's Supper. That's why we're here this morning. Coming and coming on the right day are important. We can't change the day of worship. We can't say, well, Sunday's not the best day for us, so let's uh, move worship over to Monday. That would be a better day, or maybe more people will come. We don't have that right. God requires certain things, and one of those things is worship, and that worship needs to be done on the right day and in the right way. We hope that we believe that principle, that God has given us his word, and in that New Testament, we have all that we need. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 things that pertain to life and godliness. It's all there, and it's our responsibility to obey it. We begin that obedient process by having faith, we believe. And that process also requires that we say to that old way of life, we're not going to live in that manner any longer. That's the wrong way to live. We want to be people who've been called out from the world, and we're following God's will to the best of our ability. That's repentance. And we acknowledge that. We confess that Christ is the Son of God. And then finally, to cut ourselves off from that old way of life, the Bible says that we're baptized. Keith read from Romans 6. Romans 6, 4 speaks about being buried with Christ in baptism. We're brought into Jesus' spiritual body, the church, through baptism. And then Paul says in Romans 6, 4, we're raised to walk in the newness of life. After we're baptized, the sins are washed away. That life is new. And then we continue to live a life that is as close and as consistent with the New Testament as we can possibly make it. This morning, we hope those are the choices that you've made because you love, serve, want to serve God, and most importantly, you want to be in eternity with him, unending. This morning, have we made those choices? We've had faith, we've repented, we've confessed that Christ is the Son of God. We've become one of his people. We've been baptized in the Lord's body, and now we're trying to live faithfully. If not, this morning we'd like to encourage you to do those things. If you have done those things, but you've slipped, this morning, it is the Lord's day, as John spoke of in Revelation chapter 1. And if you need to write your relationship with God and we can help you correct something, will you let us know how we can do that as we stand and sing this elected song? Why did you wait, dear brother?
if I grow? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? What do you hope, dear brother, to gain by a further delay? There's no one to save you but Jesus. There's no other way but his way. Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why do you wait, dear brother? The harvest is passing away. Your Savior is longing to bless you. There's danger and death and delay. Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Should we see?